Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the ability to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 78 of Screwball. Uh, very slow news week this week we have for you. Um, we have more, I would say, statistical news as opposed to um, more hot news regarding the uh, the world around baseball or more, um, you know, political stuff with baseball. So it's actually, you know, good for, for people that love uh uh, statistics and uh, the history of the game. There's some there's some history in some of these stats. So, like I said, not big hu- uh, huge news week. Um, we are a little. If you notice, we're a little uh, late on the podcast due to Labor Day. Uh, push us back on our schedule. Uh, so we hope everyone had a good Labor Day, uh, enjoyed and uh, ate good food and hung out and hopefully took the day off of work. But with that, let's get into. We're actually going to lead off with our topic as we tend to do a lot. Um, and this topic again uh, is. You know, Frank brought the topic to us, and it is centered around free agency and um, rookies in the league, and primarily is should there be an age, a free agency age, as opposed to a um, what they have now? What is it? Seven years of experience in the league, or, or seven years? Yeah, you, yeah, you have to, league experience. Right, you have to put time into the to the league. So I'll let Frank uh, present. The topic as I usually do because he always brings us a topic and um and we'll go from there so what you know what do you um did you hear this from that there's there's a talks of this or is it just kind of something that that we should you know it's just spitballing around yeah uh the CBA obviously coming up the owners have brought to the players association the idea of two things one a minimum salary cap of you have to spend I believe it was a hundred million every year so your team salary cap would have to be a hundred million or somewhere near a hundred million which is, you know, would try preventing uh, teams not keeping their players and tanking and stuff like that. Because uh, I think we've seen, like, some teams like uh, was the, the Royals one year had, like, a $40 million salary cap or something like that. Oh, wow. Or $50 million. It was something really low. So they want to try getting somewhere close to $100 million was the original talks. And uh, universal free agent age mm. was brought to the Player Association. I believe it was 29 and a half. So if you turned, I believe it was if you turned 30... The back half of this year, or no, if you turn 30 during a season, then you, like when you're 29, you're, that's technically your 29 and a half. Right. So you be a free agent. So that was like their, their goals. So essentially when you're 29 if, or 30, you can be a free agent no matter when you get called up. Mm. So if you get called up at 17 years old, you're a free agent at 30. And if you get called up at 28, you're a free agent at 30. So it would hurt to have guys who come up right away. But it would help the guys who, you know, get called up a little later in their career or, or around the money when they're supposed to get kind of called up. You're mm-hmm. 23, 24, 25 years old. It makes kind of sense. Right. Helps those guys out. Um, now, I don't, I don't like the idea of it being 30. Yeah. I like the idea of a universal free agent uh, age. Mm. I just don't think it should be 30. I think maybe it should be 28 because that's kind of entering your prime. So 28, I think, would be good. If you get called up and you're 18 years old, I mean, that's just – how it is. Yeah. You just deal with it. Mm. You get called up at 18 years old. You'll still be a free agent at 28. Yeah. You can still sign a 10-year deal and be done at 38, which is still a reasonable number. 
Right. 30, if you sign a 10-year deal, you're done. You're 40, you're done. Yeah. 38, you still could be putting up at least pretty quality numbers. So I think maybe 28 would be make sense. A lot of guys get called up 25, 26. They have two years, essentially. That's not bad. So I think no. maybe 28 would be all right free agent. I like the idea of the universal free agent age. And the minimum salary cap, I do. I like that as well. You have to spend a certain amount of money each year to which would keep some of these teams that we don't have money to keep the players. Yes, you do. You don't want to use it. So you have to keep some of your players. You have to sign some free agents. You have to keep, you know, hope alive, essentially. Um, it would also, I think, avoid somewhat what the Dodgers did and they just buy everybody. Uh, you know, it would, it would somewhat avoid that because now some of these teams would have to get some of these guys. Right, right. They're giving doesn't mean they can trade them. That would be a great idea to trade them. Mm. Speeds up rebuilds. But you'd have to sign somebody. Yeah, you have to do something. You just got to watch because then you might have someone get signed a big contract that might not really earn that just to fill that. Yeah, then you got to be careful, yeah. But still, I'd rather have them. I'd rather have that problem than just have teams who have a $20 million salary cap for the whole year. And they're like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. So right. um, I like that idea. The, the number would have to be adjusted. The free agent, universal free agent age, I think that's a good idea too. I just don't think 30 is the right number for that. I think maybe 28 would probably be a good number. Where if you're turning, you know, turning 28 before the season, you could be a free agent, and like I said, that's you have about five years of your prime. So right. That would be good if you end up signing a 10-year deal. You're still 38 years old. Mm. That's still a reasonable number. Yeah. Especially in this day and age, 38, you could still compete. 38. Yeah. 38 is not what it used to be 20 years ago. Whereas like it's really kind of it. 38 now is still at least hey he's putting up pretty good numbers. We can we can deal with that. And you might get guys like. Nelson Cruz and guys like that who could really play. So I think it's a good idea. It would definitely take away teams cheating players out of their, uh, you know, experience years and bird, or not bird years, that's basketball, but, you know, experience years and, you know, service time and stuff like that. They, they can't cheat people out of that. So yeah. you almost, it almost makes these teams want to call their guys up right away. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel the same way. I, I, my first thought was, ah, eh, 30 is a bit much, maybe like 27, 28. Um, they should also, they should have numbers based on uh, call-ups and, and when their years of service comes up, like what is the average age that someone reaches their first free agency? They have those numbers. I'm sure someone somewhere or a team of people can find that information out. So uh, maybe they could go off of that because I don't expect that number to be average 30. Um, that's just my gut because it does seem a little old. You're already midway through your prime. Usually the, the stigma is when you're on the opposite age of 30, you start to regress in ability. So I, I don't like 30, but yeah, 27, 28 works. And if a little, just a little wrinkle that it could be added to it with the CBA, the, the NLDH is probably going to end up happening. It seems very likely. I know that both sides kind of like that. Um, so that elongates the DH elongates careers. Cause you could have a guy like Nelson Cruz play when he's 41. And if he can hit, he can hit. And that's your, your, you're the DH. So it could elongate careers. Um, and maybe that throws incentive into the, maybe the, the age 30 thing where they see players, uh, have, or can have longer careers that can play into it. Um, you know, I don't know. You don't often see guys get called up young, but it does happen. Like a Wander Franco's 20, you see it a lot, you more. know? Yeah, and I think what we would do if you put that age at twenty eight, you would get called up instead of keeping Adelaide Rushman down in the minors, who's playing pretty good, or keeping Wander Franco. I know they didn't, but keeping those guys down, 
for a little longer because you're like, hey, we're not really that great right now. Maybe we just keep them down so we can get the service time. You call them up right away because you're like, hey, we're losing them at 28 anyway. So might as well call them up now. And so, yeah. so that would give these teams that are struggling or are rebuilding, does why why keep them down? What's right. he learning by being down? You would call them up, which would incite excite the fan base. And then minimum salary cap would also bring a player or two in, which would excite the fan base. Mm. It would keep teams a little bit more competitive or at least give them more tools at their disposal at the trade deadline. Mm. You call up a guy, you realize maybe he's not a guy you want in the future. In the future, maybe he's not the same player. You could trade him. Or maybe it's a guy that, uh, you know, you sign and you're like, hey, you know, if we play good, we'll maybe keep him around. If not, we're going to trade him and start the rebuild quicker. Instead of making a five-year, maybe it's a three-year three rebuild. Right. So right. I think these are good ideas. You just have to adjust it to the fit. And I think the player association would agree to it because guys who do get called up later, they could be free agents. You have two good years and you get called up at 26, you have two good years, you're a free agent. Yeah. Mm. Then you can go right into free agency. And so you get called up early, yeah, all right, I got to be a, I gotta be on this team for – you get called up at 18 – I gotta be on this team for ten years, <laughs> but you're still twenty free agent at twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. So you're still fine. Mm. So it would really, you know, I think it would be a good idea. I think it would help a little bit of everybody. There wouldn't be no questions about this. Oh, when's he gonna be this service time? Uh, you know, messing around all this. It would just flat out. This is the rules, and it's gonna happen no matter what happens. You can call him up when he's seven years old. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be a free agent at twenty eight. You can call him up when he's twenty seven, and he can hit fifty home runs that year and get a. Three hundred million dollar contract because he had one good year and be a free agent. Right, right. And that helps him. Mm-hmm. True. So very true. Uh, there's there's good and bad to it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have some sort of age as long as they do it right. You, know, you can't make the age like you know thirty, thirty two. It's like that, that no. at that point it's ridiculous. So if they cut it down to like we're saying like like twenty eight years old is is seems to be like a Goldilocks um, age, then I, I'm all for it. I think it it would it would help. It would help with guys. Maybe they come up a little later, and like you said, they have some good years when they first come up when they're 25, and all of a sudden they're a free agent and they can make their money. And I think just to your other point about the salary, the minimum salary cap, I think that's good too because a lot of these you know franchises do have money. They just sometimes don't exercise it. Now there's teams like the A's and the Rays that are on the lesser side of that that don't have as much money as, say, the Yankees and no, Dodgers. But they have but, money to but use. they have enough to probably hit some sort of minimum. And, again, the league has this information, what would a reasonable minimum look like, yeah, you know. So. so they, you know, they're, they're smart people working in the back office as long as Manfred doesn't touch it and screw <laughs> it up. But um, yeah, I so mean, I, I think there's good here that can happen with the CBA. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I like these ideas. It's, it's good and – it would just it would just bring people up and it would it would create more free agency mm. and more extensions because you're like hey let's well, he's getting free agency at 28 let's extend him now or instead of being like hey we got three top guys in free agency this year maybe a five or six because mm. they're all 28 right right you know maybe you know judge came up later he's not gonna be a free agent until he's 30 years old but he got called up later yeah well. Bryce Harper signed that what ten year contract. He was twenty five years old. Yeah, is that called up? Was he eighteen when he got called up? Twenty five, twenty six, whatever he is when he signed a ten year. But he got called up yet yeah, nineteen, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. So, you know, I think it just helps everybody if you did a minimal, and it, it just takes away any argument and, and keeping guys down and what they did with Chris Bryant, what the Mariners former president said, and uh, you know, it's just it just takes all that away. Right, I agree. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I think the. I think that it's, if you said that they've been talking about it, um, something that they'll 
look into and could be implemented. You know, things change, negotiations happen. You know, their first ideas sounding like uh, with the MLB, not usually the the idea that comes out into the fold. So we'll see when the players put their two cents in it, they negotiate and see where, where things end up. And like you, like I said, uh, you know, the people have these numbers. It's like, what's the average age of, of free agency? What's the uh, first eligible yeah. free agency? What's quality the years? When is your, when is the best years, your prime years? What's your quality years? They can even do something where maybe you, you know, you, you, the team can make you a free agent at 27. Right. Like an option almost. Every player has a one-year team option, or even a player option, where you can opt back in. Mm-hmm. At 27, you're like, hey, I'm opting back in for this year. Right. But you could, you're you definitely a free agent by 28. But you have, yeah, you get but a you player option. you can opt option. out at 27, or right. something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you, yeah, you can opt out at 28, or you can opt in, opt in and, and stay at the team until you're 29, maybe. They can even do something like that. You know, so that, w- that would give, like, hey, I want to stay here, I want to have a small deal, something like that, you can opt back in. Yeah, it could give uh, flexibility to guys that come up later. You know, so, I mean, that, that's not a bad idea either. Yeah, so they can even do stuff like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, straight black and white. They can do team options, player options, and but no matter what, you get you get the chance to be a free agent per yourself at 28 years old. Right. Instead of being kind of controlled and just being like, well, this is me. Hmm. And, you know, not that you ever see it in baseball, but holdouts and, you know, you can start seeing crap like that in baseball as we do see in other sports because hmm. they have control over you. Now it's just like, well, we don't control you. It's the league's rules. Right, right. So, yeah, again, we'll see. We've talked about a lot of CBA stuff in the past. It's coming close, you know, it's coming up fast and it's coming December closer. One second. Yeah. Or something like that. The league's over. Yeah. I mean, as long as they have a deal. So there's got to only be like, you know, there's only really September and, and very, very early October left of baseball. So, you know, you got to think, you know, you got to think that these stuff, this stuff's coming up soon. And uh, we get the, people got to start making decisions and have uh, um, plans to negotiate the players association and the, and the owners and stuff. So, uh, we'll see. Well, that's definitely something to, to also keep an eye on. We've talked a few episodes about stuff that the CBA things you could see go through. And that's another one you could add to the list. Another two with the, uh, with the salary cap as well. Uh, so, uh, with that, let's move on to our news segment of the show. Uh, again, like I said, at the top, it's just a, uh, more statistical look at the game. Um, as opposed to sometimes the, the drama around the league that can happen. So number one, uh, we have Wander Franco extending his on-base streak. Uh, as of today, as of recording, uh, on the 8th we're recording here, uh, Wander Franco has moved into sole possession of second place in the all-time on-base streak uh, for a single on-base streak at 37 games. He now sits behind Frank Robinson at 43 games and one game ahead of Mickey Mantle at 36 games. Uh, Wander Franco has been nothing short of amazing in his rookie year and continues to impress. N- you know, enough said there. With uh, you know, That's how I feel about Wander Franco, too, is that he's just been impressive. You know, at 20 years old, coming up and doing what he's doing is just impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's small struggles when he first came up, mm-hmm. and then ever since then, he's been kind of rocking and rolling. But it's just a great point to what we were just talking about. You know, service time, you really want to. Maybe if the Rays weren't playing that great, they would have kept him down. Right. But if you had a free agent universal, that you would call him right up because there's no point. So it would just kind of goes a little bit of hand-in-hand. It's almost a live-action look at what could happen mm-hmm. if – we were just talking about our topic of the day, so it just kind of was cool that those things, two things, matched up back to back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so good for him, and uh, I don't know what he's doing right now. The game's on as we're recording, so I don't know what uh, if he's got a hit or a walk or something yet. So we'll see. Number two, similar again. Like I said, some statistical stuff here. Pete Alonso, it's his hundredth home run. 
Uh, Pete Alonso of the New York Mets hit his 100th home run, uh, making him the sack, this, excuse me, the second fastest player to hit 100 home runs in their career. Only Ryan Howard has gotten to 100 faster. Uh, Alonso hit 100 home runs faster than Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and Ralph Kiner, who are r- right behind him now on the list. So he wedges himself uh, to second. Uh, Ryan Howard was the fastest to ever hit to 100, as many people I'm sure you know remember. Uh, and as people remember too, Sanchez and, and Judge did it very quickly. And back in the day, Ralph Kiner. Yep. Um, so all those guys did it within, I believe it's like within like 380 games yeah. or something, uh, Sanchez, something like that. Sanchez was third fastest, 355 games. Alonzo second fastest, 347 games. Ryan Howard first fastest in 325 games. Yeah, it's insane. It's um, absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's, you know, one home run per every 3.25 games played. Yeah, that's just that like... Ryan Howard was hitting home run, and it felt like it was every two games. <laughs> yeah, he was he was just mashing the ball when he was when you know when he first came up and was well, he had fifty something home runs, one MVP, and then the next year at forty seven. Yeah, it's like oh okay, you know sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, good for Pete Alonso. Um, I think he's he, we'll get into it here too. He's been on a hot streak, so you know the home runs have been coming fairly easily to him. So, uh, number three, another home run, kind of a home run stat here. But Albert Pujols was welcome back at Bush Stadium and what could be his final series at Bush Stadium, depending on where he goes with his career. Uh, Albert Pujols was greeted to a standing ovation by Cardinals fans, as they know his presence very well in the last 20 years or so, and proceeded to greet the crowd with a home run off Jay Happ, his 679th of his career. Um, so Right after a standing ovation. Right. Standing ovation for quite some time, a couple minutes. Uh, joked around with Yadier Molina, comes in there, mashes the ball, jogs around the bases, and, you know, Puts on his Albert Pujols normal, what he does, smashes the ball, runs around the bases, and everyone loves it. Even though he was on the Dodgers and the Cardinals were in trying to chase a playoff spot, the fans still loved it. Yep. Yeah. It's just so cool for him. So cool for, I mean, Cardinals are trying to push for a playoff spot, so they wouldn't love, you know, they didn't love that he had a home run, but it's like, you know what, if there's anyone's going to do it, let it be him. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So very cool. Very cool there, especially if you're a Pulos fan or just a baseball fan in general at this point. It's like, you know, you're watching one of the greatest to ever do it. You know, you just got, even if you're not a big fan of the guy, you just got to sit back and appreciate it at, yeah. the, at the very least. And he did it the right way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was great. And then Molina got a base hit later in that game. Pulos was playing first. He was joking around with him, pushing him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the greatest uh, Cardinals and players at their positions or their roles, I guess you could say, with Pulos' career kind of turned into a DH that we ever seen. Yep. So... Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, some other news I got here. Uh, the Rays call up Josh Lowe, which is one of the top prospects in baseball and one of the top prospects in the Rays system. So the rich get richer, essentially. But uh, yeah, they call up Josh Lowe, so we'll see what the Rays do there. Um, and my other piece of news here, you know, just some playoff updates. The Yankees half a game up on the wild card, half a game up on the Red Sox for the number one wild card spot. Red Sox two games up on Toronto for the second wild card, three on Seattle, three and a half on Oakland. The NL East race. Braves are two and a half games up on the Phillies, four games up on the Mets. The NL West race, the Giants are up one game on the Dodgers with no games left to play against each other. Oh, wow. And the wild card Dodgers, I didn't really have here. I think they're up 14 and a half games um, on the second wild card Jesus. spot or so. But um, the second wild card is a dead tie right now with Cincinnati and the Padres, with Cincinnati technically holding that. It would be a playoff, but technically they had the spot. Um, mm-hmm. And they are two games up on Philly. The Mets are three and a half back, and the Cardinals three and a half back. Okay. Um. So, the races that's that's your closest races. A lot of the division, other divisions, are um, are just not really seeable. The yeah. NL West, AL West, I think is six and a half. 
AL uh, Central's AL Central's like 14 or 12. AL East is like nine and a half. The NL West I mentioned, and at least I mentioned NL Central's like nine or 10, 11 games. So there's not much here. So yeah. those are the closest races we have coming down to the last what three weeks of the season. Last right. uh, you know 20 games or so. Yeah, looking season. at the last few series. So yeah, yeah. and uh, some of these races I was obviously are division oriented, and mm. at least NL West obviously. Um, but you know. Even with the wild card, you got the Yankees and Red Sox, Toronto division, Seattle, Oakland division. So you're going to play play each other. In the NL, you got Cincinnati and the Cardinals for the wild card division, Philly Mets division, um, and the Padres. Um, you know they're they don't have a division team really in their realm here for the wild card spot, but they also have two of the best teams in all of baseball in their division that they're probably going to play here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, late in the season, you're going to play a lot of division games, and that can def- definitely, even if you're terrible, even if you're the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, the Orioles, uh, beating a division team and beating a good team and keeping them maybe from beating the playoffs or hiring the playoffs is a goal, number one goal, always is. So Absolutely. that's why we're, we, I wanted to bring that up with our last three weeks here. Yeah, yeah, it's getting, you know, real pressing for some teams, especially if you're a fan of a team that's like three, three and a half, or even two and a half out of a wild card. It's like you got to get, you got to move now. And hope that the other team starts to falter a little bit, you know. Or you play them. Or yeah, or you, three you can smack. Co- you play them. You sweep them. You're in it. Yeah, you control your own destiny. Yeah. So, so you got you know if you're a fan of a team that's if you're like a White Sox fan right now, you ain't worried much. You're, you know, the only thing you're worried about is the fact that you haven't played, you know, so-called meaningful deep right playoff meaning game, you know, playoff light games. That's right. your only which you're really worried about. Yeah, but you you're not too worried about that because you won. 90 game 80 something games already and you're like yeah we're gonna be all right just yeah. get healthy feel right get your swing right and let's you know rock and roll when it's time to rock and roll right yeah you don't want to coast to the end sometimes it doesn't work out well for you yeah so you kind of hope you play a good team or maybe a division rival and you're just like all right let's beat the snot out of them real quick and show them you know exactly like a playoff series here in front of the home fans yeah right right and so get that get that groove mm-hmm. we'll see what happens you know every week we'll we'll it could change week by week who the playoff or oh, the, yeah. the wild card teams uh, are? Yeah, you know, some of these teams can change uh, as soon as you know by the time this comes up tomorrow. Yeah, Dodgers can change and the day. AL wild card could change. And it's just it's like that. Yeah, night and day. So um, look at the A's. Yeah, the, holding spot to you know week week and a half of not good baseball or just not good pitching, I should say, and now they're behind Seattle. Yeah, in which a wild is card race. which is weird. Um, and I still wouldn't count them out because the A's can go on a twenty game win streak as we've seen in the beginning of the year and. Mm you know, be the next 2007 Colorado Rockies. Yeah, now is the time to get hot if you're a team looking at, at one of these spots. So uh, if you can rattle off like, uh, you know, 8 of 10 or something like that, that's the time to do it. So, But could kind of build off of that, the wrap-up, uh, who's doing the best right now. Uh, the Giants of all teams still own the best record in the league at 89 and 50. The Dodgers are breathing right down their neck at 88 and 51. Uh, they had a series against each other, which the Giants ended up, Take it two you know, three. They, they took the edge on them. Over in the AL, the Rays are, are pretty much running away with the best record at 81, 88 and 51. Uh, the Astros are the next closest at 81 and 57, so like a six-and-a-half game difference there. Dodgers own the best run differential at the league still at plus 224, and the Orioles still on the worst at minus 230. Um, so not really much change in there. I don't think you know the Giants and the Dodgers could flip-flop for best record in the league, but I don't think anyone's catching the Rays for the best AL for the best AL record, I think the the Rays are pretty much running away with that. And to to my surprise too, I didn't really think they'd be as good as they are this year. But hey, team like that, they always feel like the underdog, and they always feel like they got something to fight for. And they, I guess, they find a reason, you know. And they 
have a good farm system at the end of the day, all the time. The Rays always have a good farm system, bring young guys up, and they always do something. And they that sometimes they find the guys that maybe the rest yeah. of the league doesn't want, and they know the they role. know their role. And yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, good on them for playing their baseball and doing it well. Playing more realistic baseball well, than some of these teams. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, some teams I mentioned here as the hot teams: uh, Rays, Blue Jays, White Sox, Phillies, Mets, Cubs, Brewers. Um, all playing pretty well. Um, some cold teams, Yankees, Tigers, Nationals, Reds, Diamondbacks, and Braves. Um, those teams have been struggling recently, and a lot of those teams are all playoff-related or playoff-bound teams. So that's you know something to look for. We're on the hot and cold list at this part of the year. Right, right, yeah. Uh, again, you know, the playoff race is getting tight, although some divisional races are runaways. You know, the wild card's right there for, for a lot of teams, so we'll see. So let's move on to the who's hot and who's not players of the week um you know we're obviously like i said at the top we're recording uh, more middle of the week because of labor day um so the player of the week i have is from obviously the previous week which is now you know that we're three days into uh three four days when this goes live into this week um so stats might be a little different from what you saw for his official for his official week that they they book for his yeah, se- his seven days board. or his five games or whatever they they book it for um so number one i have frank uh schwindel uh, for the Cubs, or Schwindel, or however you say his name, he batted 462 over the last week with an 808 slugging and a 1308 OPS. Um, the other player of the week was Robbie Ray. So, you know, obviously I don't have, I don't, you know, Frank will take care of that with the pitchers, but I do the hitters. So, number two, Ian Happ, batted 481 with an 889 slugging and a 1370 OPS. Two guys right back to back on the Cubs, contributing to their uh, little bit of a winning streak they went on. Number three, Vlad Guerrero Jr., continuing to rake as he has all season. Uh, 476 average, 619 slugging, and 1141 OPS over the last week. Number four, as previously mentioned, Pete Alonso, 429 over the last week with a 964 slugging and a 1433 OPS. And number five, Jorge Polanco, batted 429 over the last week with a 1095 slugging and a 1550 OPS. Uh, So all those guys, red hot, and uh, out of all of them, uh, Polanco had the best uh, slugging and OPS by a little bit. So surprising out of the names, you know, Vlad Jr. and, and Alonzo, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you never um, know. Yeah, some other guys here, uh, you know, Miguel Rojas playing well for the Marlins and uh, Joe Adele uh, as well as Kyle Tucker. There's some other names you want to throw out there who are playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, some pitchers that are doing well, you already mentioned Robin Ray. We also have Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, both pitching well. Uh, we have uh, Suarez for the Angels, I believe, I believe through a complete game. Good day. Um, I think so. Uh, Max Scherzer, pitching great since he went to Dodgers. And Alex Colomay, been pitching pretty good the last couple weeks, relatively for almost the last two months for the Twins. So he's been pitching pretty good after uh, a bad start of the year and bad, you know, season for the Twins. Yeah, the Twins did not find it early, and they just had were never able to recover, and too little too late for Colomay, who me and you kind of knew coming into the season he'd be good. So we're finally seeing it. You know, he's got good stuff, so – so, yeah, poor Twins. A lot of people actually picked them for the division, so, you know, it's weird that, that there's that. The, the year's been weird. You know, the Giants have the best record in the league. Mariners are in the wild card race. You got the Twins are bad. And the Braves, for the most, and the Yankees for most season have just been weird. It's a weird, weird year. Yeah. For sure. So, let's move on to the who's not, the cold players of the week. Uh, number one, we have Aaron Judge, uh, .045 average over the last week, .091 slugging, 136 OPS. Number two, Joey Gallo, .067 average over the last week with a .267 slugging and a .489 OPS. Two Yankees back-to-back makes sense because they, they went cold after their uh, win streak. 
Uh, number three, Patrick Wisdom, uh, .091 average, 182 slugging, and a 413 OPS over the last week. Number four, Chris Taylor, 095 average, 238 slugging, and a 333 OPS over the last week. And number five, David Fletcher, a 105 average, a 105 slugging, and a 296 OPS. Uh, not a guy you typically see on the cold list, a guy like David Fletcher, so definitely weird to see that name there. But uh, these other guys, um, they're streaky. Even like a guy like Chris Taylor, you could see you know the streaks come and go as yeah. the season happens. Yeah, some other guys here. I got on the cold list, Cody Bellinger. Been struggling really all year. Yeah. Uh, Max Muncy's been a little bit struggling here recently. Dancy Swanson. And uh, one guy, another one you don't ever see on the cold list is Cattell Morte. Yeah. Been a little bit of a slump. Don't I know it. Um, some pitchers have been cold. Uh, Alex Manoa for the Blue Jays. Aaron Nola. Walker Bueller threw up a dud. They had a dud against the Giants. Matt Boyd. And Taylor Clark. Taylor Clark getting beat up quite a bit. I think he had two losses in like a 27-year ride mm-hmm. over the last uh, seven to ten days. Right. Um, so those guys not playing uh, the best they can right now. Well, other than that, uh, you know, that was pretty much all I have for the cold players. Uh, our, our next uh, little bit here, as we always do, we go into some injuries uh, of late. Our main injury, I guess you could say, is the Red Sox COVID cases going through the roof. They have like 10 players they put on the COVID list, so they're struggling with that as almost every team has over the last year or two. Um, so they're dealing with that. We have uh, Garrett Cole left yesterday's game with hamstring tightness. They believe it was more precautionary. He might maybe miss or get delayed start next time, but um, all in all, he should be all right. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Wysica placed in the IL for the, for the Yankees. Um, Kenta Maeda, we talked about last week, getting placed in the IL. He's getting Tommy John, so he's done. Is he? Uh, yep, oh, he's I done the rest that. of this year, obviously, and he's going to be done all next year at that case with Tommy John. Mm. Uh, Loya Menez, day-to-day for the White Sox with a bruised knee. Uh, we have Tim Anderson on the IL. No real timetable for him. Nothing really too serious. He's not pushing their, pushing their luck, essentially. Uh, yeah. Kyle Lewis was trending in the right direction. He had a setback. He's done for the year. Yeah. Uh, and Austin Gomer. Done for the year as well. Surgery for the uh, out there for the Rockies and AJ Pollock placed on the IL. He's playing really well for the Dodgers yeah. um, with a couple guys in the cold list and then AJ Pollock placed on the IL. Um, they're looking at you know we're one game back on the Giants. They're looking really looking up. They're not right. really trending. They're, I mean they're, they've been playing well, but you know with those issues going on, they have to kind of hope that they can turn it around. Those guys pretty soon. On the good side of the injury news, or for the most part the good side, we have uh, Savelli. Uh, activated off the IL. Adalberto Monesi activated off the IL again. Jason DeGrom, or Jacob DeGrom, I should say. He, uh, the UCL sprain he had in his elbow, they said, is gone, and he is trending and maybe some sort of return if the if the Mets can make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Flaherty expected to, or hoping, and the word is that he'll make a, rec- make a return this year. Maybe real late in the season, especially if the Cardinals make a playoff push. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson Contreras activated off the IL. Clayton Kershaw through a re, uh, sim game, I believe, and we'll be doing a rehab assignment soon. Okay. And John Gray activated and actually pitched today. He actually pitched pretty well. I think he pitched five innings, three earned or so for the yeah, Rockies. something like that. So those are some bigger names or some likable players on some teams that, for the most part, are kind of in the hunt. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Now injuries start to feel, you know, like like if something happens, like, oh, no, are they done for the year because there's not enough time left? Or are they going to be okay for playoffs? Or what's the, you know, what's their service time going to look like now for the rest of the year? Definitely definitely <clears throat> pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I saw Cole come off the mound. I was like, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> as a Yankee fan. So, 
uh, yeah, you start to, you know, Tim Anderson, like you said, it could be more precautionary just not to push it because there's no reason to at this point with, if you're the White Sox. So hopefully it's more injuries like that where it's like, hey, let's put him on the IL, give him some R&R, uh, he'll feel better and whatever. So yeah. if you're a team that can afford that time, you know, if you're a Rays that are running away with a division or a team like that. So if you're the Reds and you all of a sudden Castellanos, God forbid, you know, knock on wood, falls down and something happens, <laughs> then you're not, you know – it's yeah. not it's not the same is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So yeah. um, hopefully people recover quick and we don't see too many big injuries c- come down to wire. You want to see teams at their best for the playoffs. Yeah. You want to see a team like the Dodgers going to the playoffs and all of a sudden they don't have anybody. It's it's not really it doesn't feel like you're getting your, your, your money's worth as a team or as a fan, yeah. in my opinion. So for sure. Yeah. So um, other than that, our last little bit here is our normal trivia question. And uh, we wanted to keep it somewhat related to the news we had here. Um, and it's regarding uh, Alonzo and 100 career home runs. Hmm. So there's been 12 players in MLB history to hit 100 home runs in, under four, in 400 games or under. Who was the first one to do so? There's a few guys that can come to mind, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the first player to hit 100 home runs in under 400 games was on August 1st, 1954, Eddie Matthews. A guy who went on to hit 512 home runs uh, doesn't get t- talked about too much in the home no. run circuit or legendary player circuit, but uh, we actually talked about him a few times this year. Uh, you know, with some other questions and trivia questions and, and stats, we talked about. I don't know. One stat with him is he was the only Brave to play in all three locations. Oh, is that right? He was a Boston Brave. He was a Milwaukee Brave, and he it was an Atlanta Brave. Hmm. So I know we brought that up earlier this year. But, um, yeah, Eddie Matthews, so great player, good third baseman, great hitter, kind of a underrated Hall of Famer, I guess you could say, because you know, no one ever talked about Eddie Matthews, but he had 512 home runs and just, you know, rolled right along. Yeah. So, played with Hank Aaron and guys like that. So, so again, you know, the 12 players hit 100 home runs under 400 games. Who was the first player to do so? August 1st, 1954, Eddie Matthews became the first player to hit 100 home runs in under 400 games. Yeah, he's definitely not the first one that comes to mind. I didn't even think of him, you know. So uh, that goes to show there. There's definitely other guys in that era that you think of with home runs. And, he, you know, it's like you said, he just forgets – he gets forgotten about for some reason. He was really good. Five home runs. Yeah, great, you know, great third baseman. So I don't uh, – Great defense. not sure why he gets forgotten about. Maybe just because he wasn't the star at the time. You know, you play in the 50s, you're playing with Mays, Mantle, Aaron – you know, DiMaggio's there and Duke Snyder and, you know, there's, a, there's, there's, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of guys back then. So, Yogi. yeah, and maybe if you're not a, a big media guy, uh, you know, especially back then, you know, uh, you just kind of, you just do your thing and history will remember you. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. He's all famer. So, I mean, the guy's career is definitely noteworthy. Uh, just, you don't really hear much about him from people when they talk about older players or legendary players or, you know, Great hitters, great players. You just don't really – Eddie Matthews isn't the first one that comes rolling rolling around. Yeah. Um, but um, I think uh, – I feel like he's starting to get a little bit more mentions more recent last couple of years, maybe because uh, the Braves are – they want to forget about him. Uh, maybe it's because he's in the show the last couple of years. I don't know. He just seems like you start hearing a little bit more um, maybe get talked about, which is good because he's obviously, like I said, over 500 home runs and a great player. He should be talked about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hopefully people down in Atlanta, big Braves fans, you know, they talk probably, I'm sure they talk about him a lot because I would, you know, he was a, if he was an alumni of my team, you know, for sure. So, yeah. 
Um, so that, no, that's a good that's a good trivia question. I didn't even didn't even cross my mind honestly to think of him because I again I just forget that he hit 500 home runs like whatever. So yeah, again, good trivia question. Um, you know, good stuff we talked about, and we're really coming to the end of the season here. We got God, I don't even know, maybe like. 20 something games left. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, three weeks, 20 games. So give or take time uh, for a gut check, you know, on a lot of these teams. So yeah, one hot um, streak and you could be, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah. One hot streak or one cold streak. If you're, if you're a team that is streaky like that, you could get real coin flippy at this yeah, point, you know, you can go play more baseball or you can go play a lot more golf. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so. you know, for to play 162 game season and, and miss it by, because, you know, you, you played like crap at the end is, is a hard pill to swallow. So, yeah. Um, so for fans out there, especially if you're a fan of any teams that are, are used to this, you know, missing out, just missing out or missing out or something, it's like you get that little glimmer of hope and it's hard to, you know, it Mariners. makes it, yeah, you know, you get that, you get that, <laughs> that glimmer of hope and, uh, like the Mariners fans, 20 something years without the playoffs, you know, or 20 years and Mets fans and Reds, even teams that haven't been quite so good. In the more recent history, San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, even Philly, Toronto. I mean, there's a lot of these teams have not been all that, you know, playoff bound in the last, at least in the last couple of years. Somebody's in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years. Yeah. But for at least the last couple of years, not really playoff bound. Yeah. And you keep looking up at the same teams. If you're in the West, you know, the Astros just won't go away. You know, in the East, the Yankees and the Red Sox won't go away. The Rays won't go away. You know, if you're the Blue Jays. Um, the Braves don't seem to go away ever, you know, so there's teams that just don't seem to Dodgers really, if you're in the NL West, if you're a Padres fan or something, the Dodgers really don't go away. You know, they've, they're just like the Braves where they just don't, they're just always good, you know? So, um, some fans of teams got something to root for this year. There's some weird teams in there. So if you're like, like, at least for us, it was weird. The Brewers are kind of, you know, rock and roll into their division. So anything could happen in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens, but it's, it's going to be exciting. And that's as far as even if, you know, whatever it swings for me as a Yankee fan, as long as there's good baseball, I'll, I'm in, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, playoff baseball is always great, so that's coming around. Um, and uh, always seems to be pretty good when you see baseball and the guy's got the long sleeves on, it's getting cold because you just know it's it's the most important games of the year. Yep. So it's always, always pretty cool to see. Absolutely. Um, other than that, I mean, your other little bit of – News, I mean, it's not really related to baseball. It's football season. College football started, full swing, and the NFL starts tomorrow, Thursday, the 9th. Yeah, um, when this goes up. Yeah, so we'll see uh, football tomorrow um, and this weekend, first week of the NFL season, which is always, you know, an unbelievable thing. And uh, we'll have that. And uh, Monday, we will have the Raiders, Monday Night Football, it's the first time with fans in, in the stands. So excited to see that. Um, hopefully they win. Um, that would be a great start to the year. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, happy, uh, Labor Day to everyone that passed this week and, uh, happy, uh, football opening week for a lot of people. It's like this at this point is a holiday for a lot of people, just the the Thursday and, and, and the Sunday and the Monday where you get games and fantasy football and football back. And then even mentioned fantasy, our fantasy baseball playoffs this week. So, uh, just a lot of stuff. Uh, we mentioned, I think, last week or the week before, just a lot of stuff uh, happens here at this time, September. Basketball coming back, hockey coming back, uh, NASCAR in the playoffs, uh, football uh, football back, college football back, baseball going to the playoffs, fantasy baseball, if anyone plays that, going to the playoffs or in the middle of the playoffs, fantasy football on the you know on the back. Um, there's just so much going on. Uh, even I mean, you get tennis, U.S. Open, 
uh, golf. I think they just had, you know, they just finished their playoffs um, for golf. So, I mean, this is always this time, uh, August, September, October, just always just a million things going on. Every channel's got a different sport. And yep. it's all important stuff because either the beginning of the year, which is always important, or the end of the year, which is the most important. Right. Right. So, I mean, if you're a sports fan, this is the time of year for you and uh, um, in all facets, really. So, good to be a fan of sports, good to be a fan of baseball, fan of football is coming, and uh, uh, let's just hope for good play and uh, and for things to keep rolling how they are. So, uh, with that, that's kind of all I got for this episode. I don't know if you got any final, final notes other uh, than the football thing, so... If you got anything? No, that's that's pretty much it. I would just, uh, with football back, you know, a lot more betting with people coming back too. So uh, any betters out there, um, I think your underdog bet is to take the Raiders to win one the night. That's what I took. Against so. the Ravens. I think that's an underdog bet. So there's your better guide to football, at least for Monday night. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so um, with that, let's, I guess we'll just wrap this up and get out of yeah. here. Sounds good. All right, well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLapree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLapree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep, take care.